This is On the Record, a guide to English law from the team at Glazier Solicitors. Hello and welcome to On the Record, a guide to English law, the podcast hosted by Glazier Solicitors. We have come to the sixth and final episode of our probate mini-series where I will be talking to Chris Burrows. He is the head of our private client department and today we will be looking at issues that might be faced by executives dealing with an estate where the person who has died was the owner of a business. Like our last episode, we're going to jump straight in. So Chris, what issues will an executor have to look at when a business owner dies? Thanks, Bethany. There are three things that the executors will need to deal with in general when they're sorting out an estate. There's the immediate practicalities, so can the business continue to function? And that really depends on the type of business that we're looking at. There are tax issues as well and tax implications for the estate and for the beneficiaries. And then we've got to pass on the business. We've got to do something with those assets so we can have a look at what the beneficiaries are entitled to and how we get those assets over to them. So starting with the practicalities when somebody dies, are there general rules to follow or does it depend on that person's circumstances? It's a bit of both, really. So there'll be some similarities uh, across all the states uh, where the executors need to work out what was the deceased person's role in the business. Were they a manager, an owner, both? Uh, It also depends on who else is involved in running the business. So are there family members or a business partner? or external investors. Essentially what we're looking at is, will the business grind to a halt immediately or are there people on hand who can keep it running? There are wider concerns as well. So you've got members of staff, suppliers, the bank, creditors. What are the impact on all of those connections to the business? So because there's such a wide range of things to think about, we really need to look at each business on its own terms and in relation to the person that's died. So the process can be different depending on the type of business structure that is being used. Is that correct? Have I understood that correctly? You have understood that, absolutely. There are three main types of business, really, that we can look at. There's companies, partnerships, and sole traders. And the structure for each one, it's really something that our corporate colleagues will no doubt cover in other episodes of the podcast. But from the point of view of the estate, the executors need to understand what type of business it is that that they're inheriting or or that they're trying to deal with. So really two fundamental questions, who's running that business and what does the estate get out of it? So you just asked two very important questions. I think probably best to look at each of those. So the first one is who is running the business? What sort of impact will that have? So this really depends on the legal structure that the business is using because different structures function in different ways. If you've got a company, that's a legal entity in its own right. It it doesn't go away, but it needs a director to be able to make decisions on its behalf. So if the deceased was the only director, then it can be quite a big problem for the company and we need to make sure that someone else is appointed in as director to be able to, to make those decisions. If the deceased was also the sole shareholder, then we have practical issues about who can stand in their shoes as shareholder and make the decision to appoint a new director. If they've left a will, then it can be a lot easier because the executors are able to make those shareholder decisions and appoint a new director. If the person's died without a will, then no one has an automatic authority to make decisions about the estate. 
And you'd normally have to arrange for a family member to become personal representative by applying for letters of administration, which we've talked about previously. And it's only once they've got that authorization from the courts that they can then use the shareholder functions to appoint a new director. So it's really far better if business owners have planned ahead and made a suitable will to make sure that executors can step in and deal with those sort of unexpected problems. Partnerships are a bit different and they depend on whether it's a traditional partnership or a limited liability partnership or an LLP. Under a traditional partnership, it's basically several people all working together for a business and that would actually come to an end when one partner dies and the business should be wound up and proceeds divided between the various partners. So that can be a massive impact if people haven't realised that that's going to be the effect if a partner dies. However, they might have put a a well-drafted partnership agreement in place which changes the sort of default rules and sets out exactly what should happen in those circumstances. And if they've got that in place, then it might provide that the remaining partners can carry on the business provided there's more than one person left. Otherwise, it effectively becomes a sole trading business for the, the last remaining partner. Under an LLP, which is a limited liability partnership, they're a bit different. They're they're more like a company than a traditional partnership. So when an LLP member dies, the executors aren't allowed to become involved in the running of the business. So it's over to the other members to carry on with it and ultimately get the value out to the estate of the person who's died. With sole traders, effectively all of the assets and liabilities of the business are personal assets and personal liabilities of the person who's died. So there isn't really anyone to step in. They may have employees who can deal with the day-to-day running of the business, but basically they're reporting to the executors about what they're doing. And it can be quite messy trying to sort out an effective structure for that. So it's really important for the executors to have a starting point of working out what the business is and who's going to be able to step in and manage it on a day-to-day basis. So when we know how a business is going to be dealt with, How do the executors work out what the beneficiary gets out of the business? Again, it depends on the type of the business that we're looking at. So with a company, the estate owns the shares in the business that the person who's died used to own. And shareholders own the value of the business rather than specific business assets. So we need to look at what the company is worth. And we do that by looking at the open market value of the shares at the date that the person's passed away. So effectively, how much would an independent person be willing to pay for those shares if they wanted to buy into the business? And we also need to think about what the company's own rules say about passing on shares or value. And that might be in the Articles of Association or it might be in the shareholders agreement. So we need to think about whether the beneficiaries get the shares themselves or whether they get value out of it. And some companies might limit the ability for shares to be transferred to beneficiaries. If it isn't a family company, They might not necessarily want spouses or family members who aren't connected to the business inheriting the shares and then stepping in to make decisions. So shareholders need to check whether their company has arrangements in place for for preemption. So effectively the right of one shareholder to buy out the shares from any of the other shareholders that die. And they also need to think about how they'd fund this buyout if that circumstance came around. If the shares can be passed on, do the beneficiaries actually want to inherit them? So the executors would need to have a discussion with the beneficiaries. And if they do want to receive the shares, then they can transfer them out of the estate and into the names of the beneficiaries. If the beneficiaries don't want the shares or they don't want to continue with the business, 
then the executors can look at selling the shares or winding up the business. The shares can also be left to a trust under the owner's will, which can be helpful for tax purposes as well, as we might look at later on. But it can help to control how many people are involved in the company. For example, if you've got lots of grandchildren, you don't necessarily want them all receiving a small portion of the shareholding each. You might want to put it in a trust so that the trust remains as a significant shareholder in the company. But then the beneficiaries can all receive income or capital out of the trust in the future. And that would be controlled by the trustees who effectively manage those shares on behalf of the wider family. With a partnership, thinking back to the different types of partnership, what the estate gets out of the business is going to depend again on whether it's a traditional partnership or an LLP. But in general terms, the estate's owed the value of the deceased partner's interest. So it's effectively treated as if it was a debt from the partnership. It's not the same as a company where you can inherit the deceased's interest. The estate is basically going to receive an amount of money to be passed on to the beneficiaries. Sometimes, depending on what the other partners are prepared to do, they might allow the beneficiary to come into the partnership. They might be added as a partner or a member if it's an LLP. And the value that should have been paid out to the estate might be transferred over to that person who's come in as a new partner. For a sole trader, the assets belong to the estate and so do the liabilities. So any debts or other liabilities would need to be settled out of estate assets. And the value of the stock or property or bank of clients and the goodwill attached to them belongs to the estate. So if a beneficiary wants to carry on a sole trader business, the executors would have to look at how those assets can be passed over to the beneficiary and also make an arrangement with them for the liabilities of the business to be settled as well. So we've looked at running the business and passing it on. Now everybody's favourite topic, tax. What about tax? Is there any way that we could reduce it? So with inheritance tax, as we've looked at in a previous episode, we've got the value of the estate and anything over the nil rate band that's available would be taxed at 40%. So that can be a hefty bill that we're looking at, particularly if we've got a business involved. The main issues for executors when they're looking at a business is whether it qualifies for relief from inheritance tax. And that's known as business relief, or it used to be called business property relief. So you'll commonly still hear it called that or or BPR. If business relief applies, then potentially 100% of the value of the business can be free from inheritance tax. And it's a sort of all or nothing. It's either 100% relief, meaning that it's tax free, or you don't qualify for BPR. Having said that, there are some assets, fairly limited categories, where you might get 50% BPR. Uh, So, for example, if the deceased personally owns a property, but they use that to trade their business from, so the company uses a property that was owned personally by the deceased, then in those cases you'd get 50% relief on the value. So you mentioned business relief. What is the criteria for receiving business relief? There are two main factors that come into play when we're looking at whether the estate qualifies for business relief. The first one is the length of time the business has been running. So the deceased has to have owned their interest for two years or more. And it also has to be a trading business. The trade requirement can cause problems, though. Basically, the business has to have been carried on for gain. Even if it wasn't actually profitable, it can still qualify for business relief. And the main activity must not have been investment. 
So this is where some businesses can struggle because if you've got investment properties that you're receiving rent on, or if you've got a significant amount of traded investments held within the business, then those are seen as investment activities rather than trade, and that can complicate whether we're able to apply for business relief. Because business relief can effectively make a significant asset tax-free, business owners should also make sure during lifetime that they understand whether this is likely to apply and to make sure that their will is structured to make the most of the relief and pass the assets on tax-free. So how do executives work out what the main activity of their company was? What if there was some investment income involved? This can be a really tricky area to to work out and we'd normally involve the company's accountant to look at the activities and the level of income. It applies on a wholly or mainly test. So was the whole of the activity of the business for trade or was it mainly for trade? And as long as we can show this it's either wholly or mainly, then we can apply for business relief. So we look at the activities overall for the company as well as the assets that it holds. So it might be a combination of assets, but if the balance is tipped towards mainly trading, then we'd be able to apply for business relief. It's really important that business owners take proper advice on this and make sure that the structure of the business is going to help you to be able to put that claim forward. Are there any other tax issues that executives should be aware of? There are other tax issues which might need to be looked at and that'll depend on how the business reported its own income, whether that's corporation tax or income tax for the business owners. It's also worth noting that sometimes business relief doesn't necessarily apply to the whole of the open market value of the business. So I mentioned earlier that we would look at the value of those shares as if they were being sold on the open market. But sometimes businesses have assets that don't qualify for business relief within them. So you might still have the wholly or mainly trading test, but if, for example, it's got a significant amount of cash sitting in the business bank account, which isn't required at the date of death for the future of the business, HMRC might say that although the business qualifies for business relief, they're not going to allow the relief on the value of the asset that's effectively squirreled away within the business and isn't used for business purposes. So again, that can be a really tricky area that executives need to be aware of and take suitable advice before they they make the reports to HMRC or engage with the revenue then once we've made the initial tax return to sort out exactly what is the agreed business value that we're going to get relief on. Is there one key thing that executives should think of when dealing with a business after someone has passed away? From our previous discussions on this podcast, Bethany, you'll know that I never just have one key thing for people to think about. So I'll give you a couple of key thoughts. The first one is for business owners, and that's to plan ahead. Make a will, make sure you understand what will happen to your business if you die, and put suitable plans in place, whether that's sorting out your personal documents, such as the will, or whether it's the the business documents, such as a shareholders agreement or a partnership agreement. Those documents are really key to helping everyone make sense of what should happen in the event of a person's death. And for personal representatives, so whether that's executors or administrators, first thing is to work out whether you need to do anything at all to safeguard the business. Other people might be ready to step in, and that's fine, and they can keep running the business, but you might need to take some immediate steps to safeguard the business and its value. 
And the second tip for executors is to take advice to make sure you're reporting the value of the business correctly, because as I've said, there are some issues that can crop up, which make it quite complicated. And also make sure you're following the right steps to pass the assets on to the beneficiaries, whether that's shares or whether it's extracting value from the business and passing that value on. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Chris. We appreciate your time today. If you have missed any of the previous episodes from the probate mini series, they are all still up and live and you can listen to them all. We recommend listening to them in order because they do follow the process of the probate series. And if you follow or subscribe to us on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts, you'll be able to listen to all of our new episodes as soon as they come out. Thank you again, Chris. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks, Bethany. Good to speak to you.